Good morning. Jesus must have thought that the way his followers treated one another was of paramount importance if loving one another was something he raised to the level of a commandment. Not simply a good idea or a suggestion or an optional extra. Jesus commands us to love one another. It's a commandment to love, not to be best friends with everyone, but to love. The word used here in Greek is agape. Agape is not about emotions. It's love that actively wants the absolute best for other people. It's the same way that God loves us. And it's a really practical love that results in practical action. You can't simply say, I love you with agape love and leave it at that. Agape, by definition, is expressed in tangible ways. It was agape love that led Jesus to the cross for us. And Jesus said that we are to love one another as he has loved us. This means that like him, our love should be gracious, long-suffering, sacrificial, unlimited, and should even lead us to be prepared to die for one another. That's a really challenging standard of love that we're to express for one another, isn't it? Jesus wants his new community, the church, to be based on this sort of love. The church should be an all-inclusive, indiscriminate, universally loving organisation. And that love should be expressed very visibly and obviously for one another. If you think for a moment about Billericay Baptist Church, there is not one person who is part of this church that you are not required by Jesus to love. It should be part of this church's DNA. Billericay Baptist Church should be famous as a place where people love one another, as should all churches. Jesus said, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. There's a danger that a church that loves one another could become insular, inward-looking, self-obsessed. We could spend so much time and energy loving one another that there's nothing left for fulfilling the Great Commission to go and make disciples. But that's not what Jesus intends. We love each other not simply that, so that we can enjoy a holy huddle or feel a warm, fuzzy glow. This agape love has evangelistic power. It authenticates and confirms our message as believers in Jesus. It shows in visible ways that following him makes a difference. A church that truly loves one another as Jesus loves us will grow because it will be such an attractive group to be part of. Love like Jesus commands is a magnet that attracts people to him because it's so rare, sadly, in human society. Now, loving one another in that way is something we need to work hard at. But the good news is that the Holy Spirit works harder at it. Remember the spiritual fruit that Paul mentions in Galatians 5. The first one of those is love. Remember the spiritual gifts Paul mentions in 1 Corinthians 13. The greatest of them is love. Jesus has given his spirit to help us to love, to grow the fruit of love to give us the spiritual gift of love. But we need to put that love into action. It's like 
the Holy Spirit has put fuel in the car, he's serviced it, he's made it ready, but you've still got to get in and drive it. So what does this love look like? Well, agape love has a deep, deep compassion at its heart. When we hear of someone else in need, in pain, in trouble, agape love doesn't simply say, oh, that's terrible. It also asks the question, what can I do? In the New Testament, there are lots of one another's. All of these are ways in which we can show agape love for one another. They show us what we can do. And I've created some dingbats to try and help you to remember them. Jesus said, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you should be the servant of all, didn't he? And he demonstrated that servant heartedness. So how can we serve one another? It could be as simple as making someone a cup of tea or coffee, but it can be so much more. Think about the thing that you struggle with most, the thing you'd really appreciate some help with. How would it feel if someone came and helped you with that? Serving one another doesn't need to be spontaneous. You could ask for help. When we serve one another, we're looking out for all those sorts of ways to help one another. We're looking for ways to help other people's lives easier, better, happier. And we're willing to do it regardless of whether we noticed doing it because we're trying to love one another the same way that Jesus loves us. So whom can you serve this week? If you love someone, it's difficult to hold a grudge against them, isn't it? Jesus said some strong things about forgiveness because he knew that unforgiveness is such a destructive attitude. It not only eats away at a relationship, it also eats away inside us. It's like a corrosive acid. Because we love one another, we should be generous with our forgiveness. We know that we have been forgiven so much by God and that motivates us to forgive. It's in the Lord's Prayer, isn't it? Forgive us as we forgive. Now, I know sometimes hurt is deep, forgiveness is hard. Forgiveness is sometimes a process more than an event. And that process starts by asking Jesus to help us to want to forgive. And then when we're ready, once we want to forgive, we ask him to help us to be ready to forgive. And then once we're ready to forgive, we can ask him to help us actually to forgive. Just as we need to offer forgiveness, we also need to receive it. When someone says sorry to us, can we say that we love them if we refuse to accept the apology or hold a grudge? So is there someone you need to forgive or from whom you need to ask forgiveness? On Valentine's Day, an old lady spoke to her husband of 50 years. In 50 years, you've never said you love me. Why is that? He replied. On our wedding day, I said that I loved you, didn't I? Yes. And that has been true for the past 50 years. If the situation changes, I'll let you know. Now, we know what devotion looks like, don't we? It's special. It's precious. It's about being committed to one another for better or worse. But that's not just for weddings. It's also for churches. 
We should be devoted to one another as an expression of our love for one another. If we are devoted to one another, we're committed to one another. Those who are devoted to one another won't allow disagreements to divide them. Devoted people work out their problems with grace and love. Devoted people don't give up on each other when it gets tough. They don't leave a church, for example, because of trivial differences. How devoted are you to one another? It's interesting, when the New Year's honours list comes out, it's big news about who's been honoured and then usually complaints about who hasn't been. Well, in church, we don't have a New Year's honours list. We have a 365 days a year honours list. The Bible tells us we should honour one another as a way of showing our love for one another. Honour isn't merely respect, it's an expression of how much we value other people. And you don't keep that to yourself. What sort of community would this be if we always express our appreciation to others for the ways they've served us, for the sort of person they are, simply for being our brothers and sisters in Jesus? Honouring one another means speaking well of one another, not gossiping, praising one another publicly. In music, we appreciate harmony because it enhances a tune, it emphasises notes, it adds depth and colour to a melody. But harmony isn't about uniformity, where every instrument plays the same notes. It's about variation and difference that enhance the main theme. So how do we live in harmony? Well, I guess the first thing is to check we're all playing the same piece of music, isn't it? Are we all seeking to listen to and follow Jesus? Discord is really easy to hear in music. It ruins the melody. You might be able to see this in church meetings. If everyone is working together to listen to what God is saying and discern his will, you may not agree. But when collectively you've reached a decision, even if it's not what you particularly would prefer, you say this is the will of the Lord and we'll all work together to put it into practice. We work in harmony with one another. A church that does that will certainly be showing the world around us that we are Jesus followers. But we don't always agree, do we? There are some people who we don't find as easy to get on with as others. In any group of people, there will always be people that we find it easier to like. There will be natural friends and there'll also be those we don't know so well. But the Bible tells us we should bear with one another. There's no place for a short fuse in church. There are no exceptions. Bearing with one another is patience in practice and we bear with all of us. Have you seen the mugs and tea towels with the slogan, be patient, God isn't finished with me yet? we need to recognise that just as we may find some people difficult, other people may find us difficult. None of us would claim to be perfect. We know that only too well. So let's be patient and bear with one another. Paul lifts a number of spiritual gifts in the New Testament, but there's a neglected one that's right up there alongside preaching and teaching. 
Being hospitable is a spiritual gift and we seem to forget about it. And it's important because there's something significant about eating together, sharing a table with other people. They say that the family that eats together stays together. Well, I think the same is true of churches. So how about inviting each other into our homes when we can? Or at least our gardens right now. What about getting to know one another beyond a Sunday morning service? It's a way of expressing our love for one another. In what ways are we showing hospitality to one another even in these COVID times? In the Bible, the Greek word koinonia means sharing and communion, but it's often translated as fellowship. We first encounter it in Acts chapter 2 when the church is described like this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's fellowship. It's no surprise to me that the church was growing so quickly. Who wouldn't want to be part of such a generous and warm community that radiated Jesus's love? So how's your fellowship, especially in this lockdown era? Maybe the thing we can do more easily than anything else is to express God's love for one another by praying for one another. I know how easy it is for us to say to someone, oh, I'll pray for you, and then forget. If we offer to pray for someone, let's resolve to do so, and not just once, but persisting in prayer for that person. How different might this church feel if, when someone shares something with us that we're chatting about, we stop and pray right now and say, let's pray about it now. It could be a need, it could be something for which you can give thanks to God. I think God would absolutely love to see twos and threes pausing to pray for one another over cups of tea and coffee. Now, this isn't an exhausted list of the one another's, there are plenty of others, but they are all ways of showing that we love one another as Jesus has loved us. Why? so that the world will know that we are his disciples. So let's ask his spirit to help us put God's command into action. <laughs>